listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. I'm Joel Hastings. We appreciate your interest and we're delighted to say we are now over 10,000 downloads in this series. You can find Dairy Voice at Apple and Google as well as most all the usual podcast sites. If you're listening for the first time, we hope you consider subscribing and give us a rating. Today, we're talking with Scott Ruby, who, as we say, wears two hats in dairy. He's a partner manager in the family dairy operation, and he's also a professional sales executive with a leading AI firm, Worldwide Sires, based in Visalia, California. Scott, welcome to Dairy Voice. Thank you, Joel. Today, we're going to talk with you about some of the people management skills you've learned in business and how you feel they apply to leading your dairy farming operations. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work, both at Worldwide and give us an overview and uh, insights into your dairy farming. I always say I've only worked uh, for two people in my life, and that's my father at the dairy farm and my boss at Worldwide Sires, John Scouten. I feel very fortunate that uh, those two people have been great mentors for me in my life, and I learned a great deal from each of them. And while my dad's no longer with us, I still I still work for him every day, I think, because I'm still trying to live up to his expectations, which uh, were never easy to, to live up to. My work at Worldwide Sires, I think, has a lot to do with the passion I gained growing up on the dairy farm. I started at Worldwide Sires 26 years ago, uh, right out of college. It's a company that now is owned 100% by Select Sires and does all the international marketing outside of the Americas for Select Sires. Almost seven years ago, I took over the role as Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Worldwide Sires. And in that role, I support our global team. We work in about 75 countries and have employees. We have about 230 employees in seven different countries around the world. And in the other countries, we work through marketing arrangements and distributorships. My role is to support those companies to develop relationships, develop the the marketing network, and to encourage our team to grow and expand sales throughout the world. My role at the farm, um, I live on the farm and I travel for Worldwide Sires. So I'm, I'm on the farm when I'm not traveling. My, my work on the farm really is not day-to-day work. It's more management level. I have an incredibly great staff with my partners on the farm. It's a family farm. My mother and my sister and my son is also on the farm. And we work with two different dairy farms, one in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, and that, that's where we live. And then we have a second farm in Tillamook County on the Oregon coast. So those two farms are about 80 miles apart from each other. We operate both of them on very, very, very similar way. We try to keep all the protocols and SOPs very, very similar between the, the two farms. Scott, what, just tell us a little bit about uh, the, si- the farm sizes, numbers of cows, numbers of acres, uh, how much farming you do, those sorts of things. We milk about 450 cows on each farm. And each farm is a pasture-based operation. So uh, we have about 400 acres of pasture on our Tillamook farm and about 700 acres of pasture on our Sio farm in in the Willamette Valley. And uh, then we also have cropping acres. So grand total about about 1,400 acres uh, because we also raise some corn silage and hay uh, for the farm as well. What sort of uh, facilities do you have? 
both farms, uh, of course, with pasture, you're, you're outdoors part of the year, but then you're also indoors in the wintertime, of course, and uh, the cows are in free stalls and the heifers as well when they're indoors. We milk in each farm has an identical milking parlor, a double 14 herringbone parlor uh, with one milker at a time in the double 14. And that's something we, we feel pretty strongly about managing our employees to get maximum amount of efficiency out of, out of the work that they do uh, and hopefully keeping them happy at the same time. Even more important today than, than ever. Tell us just a little bit more about your worldwide uh, sales staff. You do the uh, recruiting and help with the training. Uh, how many folks do you have directly report to you? So I have about 15 people that report directly to me. Those would be our area directors of marketing, our advertising staff, and our marketing staff. I think one of the keys to the success of any business um, is finding good people and, and making sure that you hire good people whenever you have the opportunity. That doesn't mean necessarily that you have a position for them today, but when a really good person becomes available, you have to bring that person in and make a place for them because you may not get that opportunity again. And so finding and recruiting good people is definitely a huge part of what I do. I feel very, very blessed that I get to work with, I think, the absolute most elite group of people in the AI industry, have an absolutely incredible staff of people. They are just a joy to work with. Hello, I'm Jordan Matthews from Rosie Lane Holstein's LLC in Wisconsin. If you are busy like me, you want a quicker way to get feed pricing and make a feed order with your local mills. FeedTime is a neutral platform that works with local feed mills so they can securely list feed pricing and make feed ordering easy. FeedTime is free for dairies and veteran owned. You can learn more or sign up at www.feedtyme.com backslash dairy producer and tell your feed mill about FeedTime. And we're back. What are some of the things that you've learned about managing a sales force uh, since you've been sales manager here? I think the biggest thing with any management role is you have to realize that your employees don't work for you, you work for them. Okay? I try to support them as much as possible. I like to delegate and allow people to do what they're good at. Because if I've hired somebody for a role, that person should be better at that role than me. I want to let that person do what they're good at and then support them when they need help. So there's times when employees maybe have questions or, you know, want some feedback and I need to be available all the time and try to give them that support. In a uh, company sales role, sometimes it's easy to think that managing those folks is a more black and white thing. There are sales goals, there are sales objectives, numbers, dollars of sales to achieve. How do you work with your team uh, on some of those things? I think goals are really important. Uh, so we set targets for ourselves. Those are set in a collaborative way. Um, I don't set the targets, the, the sales reps set their own targets. Uh, we, we talk about those things together. You know, when you're working in international, uh, there are a lot of variables that can take place. And so I'm, I've been in this a long time. I, I'm not I'm naive enough to think that, you know, the sales rep is the only, only thing responsible for the results. When, when you work in international, there are political issues and financial issues, fiscal policy within the country. There's so many different things that can affect uh, you know, our sales results. And so while we set targets and we set goals for ourselves, um, we understand that 
you know, there are outside variables that are beyond our control. You know, people don't have to feel like they're being judged for their targets. However, we do, I do review those, those results on a, on a monthly basis with every one of my, my people. And um, we go through it in detail and we try to keep track of exactly what's going on in all the different markets. And I assume, again, in a corporate setting like you, uh, like you have with Worldwide, you have to take that information and flow that up the chain, too, and share that with, with top management at Worldwide as well. So it's a two-way street, I guess, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because we're, we're owned by Select Sires, we have a board of directors that are mostly farmers. So, you know, we interact with the farmer board on a regular basis. We'll actually have our, our Worldwide Sires board in next week in, into Visalia for meetings, and we meet on a regular basis. Uh, the board supports us very well. We appreciate, you know, the input that they have and the, the guidance and direction they give us. And I do. I report to them on a monthly basis where things are going well, where we have challenges, you know, where we want to make investments and all of those types of things. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's an ongoing process of, you know, supporting the team that's working every day and then uh, reporting and interacting with the board who really sets, sets our vision. And in terms of the product that you sell, that's developed by the genetic specialists uh, in the companies, that inventory of product and the, and the sire lineup, if you will. Do you have influence with that? How does, how does that tie into your sales work? We do have a little bit of influence. Um, we're very fortunate. Select Sires has had probably the best sire team in the industry for over 60 years now. And so when you think of all of the great, really influential Holstein bulls that have come along over the years, you can't, you can't name those bulls without naming Select Sires for most of them. We, we really have a, a great lineup of bulls. That being said, because we're an international, we have some different needs. Obviously, one bull can't supply the whole world. Uh, so we work with a really wide range of bulls. Uh, last year, we sold 1,199 different bulls uh, through Worldwide Sires. We, we're constantly trying to expand uh, the number of bulls we work with so that we can take the pressure off of those really high demand bulls. And I expect genomics has had an equal impact internationally as we've seen domestically, but let's save that topic for maybe a little later in this conversation. Let's, let's kind of shift gears now and, and what you and I spoke about when we were previewing this conversation when you and I met at World Dairy Expo. Let's talk about the things that you've learned and the techniques that, that have worked well for you at Worldwide Sires in terms of management and people skills and talk about how you've brought that home to the farms and uh, how you're working with your staff at the farms at home. Again, the first and most important step is to find and hire the absolute best people possible. One of the key factors in that is finding people that are well-suited for the role that you anticipate them working in. So at Worldwide Sires, we started using, about the time that I took over um, in my role, uh, we started using a, a system that um, evaluates personalities. And, and then we also then apply that to the, the different job titles and roles that we have at the company. And so we know the, the personality profile that fits the role. And we look at that when we're hiring people. And it's important to find people that are a good fit. Because if you have a role that requires extreme detail and someone that likes to work alone, but you put someone in that role that is a social butterfly and likes to be around people all the time, uh, that person's never going to be very satisfied in their job. If they're not very satisfied, then you're not going to get the best work out, out of them. And I think that applies on the farm as well. 
while while our farm can't afford to to have the expensive profiling and things that we do in in the business world i've learned a lot from it and, and you can tell different people and and how they interact and, and the type of people they are and when you're hiring those people you know finding people that are going to be a good fit for the role you need is an important first step two questions kind of occur to me one is in oregon where you're where you're farming what is the available labor pool and and how do you find qualified workers and I think our listeners would be interested in that. That seems to be a challenge um, most everywhere. And then secondly, even if you're a little more informal with your personality evaluations, talk about your interview process, talk about uh, how you get acquainted with a prospective employee. Well, that's a very important topic, Joel. I think it doesn't matter what country in the world I travel in, you know, finding good employees for dairy farms is a huge challenge. In the United States, I think we've been blessed over the years to have a pretty good supply of, of workers available to us. Uh, that is really not the case the last few years. And so most dairy farms today in the U.S. are struggling to find good employees, to find any employees for that matter. And so we're, we're no different. Um, we, we struggle. I think the key is retention. Uh, when you have good people and you've spent years training them, uh, you certainly want to keep those good people. And so I think that's something that uh, we've been fortunate on our farm is to be able to retain our good people for, for many years. And, and so that's, that's a big advantage. That being said, there's always those certain roles that you end up having to fill. When I'm looking for people, the best thing I can do is get good recommendations from my current staff. If my staff knows that this farm is a nice place to work and they feel good about their job and they feel good about what they're doing, they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, they're going to they're gonna want to encourage their relatives or their friends to work there as well. I think it's, it's very important to, to utilize those connections when, when you're finding good people. Because if you have good people, they're going to want good people working beside them. They're going to recommend good people to you. Once you have that candidate, perhaps acquainted with one of your workers, how do you uh, interview? Uh, what are the keys that you look for? How do you uh, get others, uh, whether it's your family members or maybe your employees, to uh, spend time with this prospective worker to see if they will be a good fit? The interview process is relatively simple at uh, at Worldwide Sires, the interview process is very rigorous and takes a lot of time. At the farm, it's, it's much more simple. We spend probably more time in training than we do in interviewing. You can usually tell in the first few days if, an, if a new prospective employee is going to work out. And I think one of the keys you know, to employee management on a farm is you ha can't be afraid to let people go. Certain people just aren't a good fit. You know, it's pretty obvious within the first couple of days if someone is going to be a good fit or not. You can't be afraid, you know, to let that person go if, if they're not going to be a good fit. Because my theory is that if I'm not satisfied with the work that he's doing, um, he's probably not satisfied with his job either. It's really doing him a favor to, to not put him through the agony of going to a job that he's not very good at and he doesn't enjoy. And so it, it's important, I think, to, to let people go quickly and then you can move on and, and find another person. The procedure at your farm when you've got this new person lined up, uh, how do some of your other family members, uh, your son or your, your mom uh, or your sister, uh, how do they get involved? And then do you have a procedure where maybe a herdsman or a, a farm manager spent some time with this person? How, how, how do they interact with both family and staff? 
our family has roles on the farm. Um, and so it's my, you know, my sister, my brother-in-law, my, my son, and then we have management as well because we have two farms. We have management of both farms. Yeah. They're going to spend time with, with the manager and the area that they're working and also working side by side with one of, one of the other guys that's done that role before. So if it's calf feeding, you know, they're going to work with someone that's had a lot of experience in calf feeding. Maybe he's moved on to another role, but he can, is a really good trainer in that area because he knows it well. If it's milking, obviously, you know, each farm has, you know, a lead milker and they're going to train for several days with that lead milker uh, before they go on their own, even if they have milking experience before they get there. Because, you know, we have a certain way that we want our cows milk. We have certain preparation and every, everything that goes into our procedure is specific to us. And so we want to make sure that they're trained precisely the way that we want them trained. Just fill me in. I may have missed it earlier in our conversation, but how big a farm staff do you have? How many employees at each at each operation? So grand total, we have 18 employees and there's seven on the one farm and 11 on the other farm. But some of those are crossovers because um, we do have things going on like truck driving and shop mechanic and things that, you know, service both, both farms. Really, you have to look at the whole picture and say there's 18 total employees. Eight, eight of those would be milkers. I don't want to digress here, but we've seen, particularly in some states, new regulations about animal care, uh, encouraging and, and guiding your employees in terms of their animal care, and then also some of the human relations issues that are a little bit old hat in business, but are just kind of emerging on, on dairy farms, which is things like uh, training to uh, avoid uh, sex discrimination and worker harassment, those sorts of things. How do you get involved in those issues? I think it's very important when people first start, um, you have to instill with them a care for animals and how important that is on your farm and to you personally. The way I talk, and m most of our employees are men, uh, even though we have had uh, some female staff in the past, but currently uh, all our employees are men on the farm. What I try to explain to them is, you know, you have to think about these cows like they're your children, right? and you have you have to think of them like, you know, they're or or they're your wife when she's when she's pregnant. You have to take very special care because the, these are you know these are hardworking animals that are they're expectant mothers, and you know the baby calves are fragile and they're they're just like a, a young child. So um, having that kind of care and, and kind of humanizing the animals, I think, is really important because we don't always get staff that have worked with animals before. In fact, most of our staff comes from backgrounds where they have no experience working with animals or very little. And so it's important that they, they think of it in a way that, that they can relate. You mentioned that retention is the number one priority in terms of, of building a good staff. What do you see as the keys to uh, retention at the dairy farm, but also what have you learned uh, at Worldwide that, that uh, maybe has, a, has uh, helped your thinking with your dairy farm staff? I think I've learned a lot at Worldwide about retention, and a lot of it is about developing a sense of community within the organization and really a family atmosphere. People want to go to work because they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. 
Okay. If, if, the, if you can instill that in, in your team and you can instill that sense of family and teamwork, then, then people are going to feel like going to work is a joy. You know, you, you really want people to feel like they want to go to work every day because they enjoy it because what they're doing is satisfying and they're, they're helping something. So creating that big picture and helping them see that on a dairy farm, you're not just scraping manure. You're taking care of God's creatures. You're, we're creating a product that's going to go on grocery store shelves and it's going to be a nutritious product to, to support life. You know, you have to help them understand that this is, this, there's a big picture here and it's not just about the day-to-day task that you're doing, but you're part of something really big and really important. Well, what sort of information about the farm do you share with your employees in terms of milk production levels, uh, crop yields, uh, or maybe even some dollar benchmarks? Uh, how do you show them the big picture in terms of farm productivity? I share with with everybody the uh, you know the results that are coming in terms of milk production and crop yields when when we for example after we harvest our corn you know really try to congratulate them for their you know their role in that success if if we had like this year we had a record uh, corn yield crop you know in terms of our our tonnage per acre on our on our silage corn I know that that's that's not me that did that you know that's the team that did that and so you know really congratulating them and letting them know that they set a record and that it was you know all that hard work and getting the irrigation on when it needed to go on and taking care of the planting and working the ground when they were doing that in the spring and all those things added together are are really what what created that record and the same way with milk production because it's not just the milkers that are getting the milk production it's the it's the calf feeders and it's it's the heifer raising and it's it's the feeding of the cows and it's it's the guy taking care of the free stalls and scraping the manure i mean all of those things feed into you know that record milk production and when and when we set new benchmarks and the herd goes to another level in milk everybody needs to be congratulated for that as we uh, kind of wind up this conversation, it's gone quickly, and I'm I'm kind of surprised as I look at the time. But do you have uh, maybe a single thought or or a particular message that you'd like to share with uh, our listeners and your fellow dairy producers in terms of uh, the things that you've learned and and what you're trying to do at the, at the dairy? Well, when I was growing up, uh, we always had employees on the farm, and my dad used to tell me, "You have to treat people like humans." That was his way of saying that you have to make people feel good about themselves. You have to make them feel motivated to be there every day. Look, what we do on the farm is hard work, right? There's long hours. There's certain seasons where guys are working seven days a week to try to get the crop in or, or you know, get through the season. People get tired. It gets difficult, but if they feel like they're a part of a team and the management supports them, when, when they come with problems or issues, that they feel like those things get dealt with in a, in a quick way and in a way that's, that's helpful to them, they're going to be with you for a long, long time. And uh, you can develop that sense of loyalty and, and family amongst your team, then you, know, you really don't have to be out looking for people all the time. And so that, that's really uh, the key, I think. And whether it's on the farm or, or in business, at, at a, you know, like in an AI company, um, really having those long-term staff are really the, the strength and foundation of your business. I don't care what your business is, if you're in agriculture or you're in the computer business or whatever business you're in, the most important asset you have in that business are your people. You've got to treat those people like they're your most important asset. 
Well, Scott, I think that's a, a great message to wind up on. And uh, I thank you very much for taking time to visit with us. We've been talking today with Scott Ruby, who is a dairy farmer in Oregon and also sales manager at Worldwide Sires. This is Joel Hastings speaking for the Dairy Voice podcast at dairybusiness.com.